0: Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're practicing social distancing, not breathing on anybody, not sneezing on anybody, not coughing on anybody. Hopefully we'll get through this soon. The sooner the better. I need to go to a rock show. I haven't been to one in a long time, and this whole year feels like one big giant day of crap. But we're here for you. We're talking music, like we always do, and we're here to feature another new great band on the new music spotlight. That band is from Columbus, Ohio. The band is called South of Eden, and my guest today is Ehab Amran. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, I'm doing good today, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing excellent, man. I've been like I've been waiting to do this with you guys for months because I've been really excited about the debut release that's coming out tomorrow and this will air on Friday so for people listening that's today but ever since you guys were were black coffee and you guys released your album take one with the single barely know her I've been just like this band is incredible I can't wait for more music I've been looking forward to it. And here we are on the eve of the E P release and I'm just stoked and ecstatic about it.
1: <laughs> that is so awesome, man. I really appreciate all the kind words and, and all the love, man. Yeah, it was it's been a great journey thus far, man, and, and we're so excited for people to finally get to hear this uh you know hear this new music especially people like you that have been here for a while
0: <laughs> Well the cool thing is also is my 15-year-old son and all his friends are like totally into you guys so into you guys that they like stopped their like social media interaction for the debut release of Dancing with Fire and they were like oh we, we all of us are like online waiting for the the song to drop and <laughs> what's really cool about that is that You know, I used to experience that when I was younger. You know, like we would know when the album was coming out, we would stand in line, we would anticipate it. You know, obviously there's no standing in line today, but to see him and his group of friends be really into this and be really excited about it and then come flying out of his bedroom. Did you hear the song yet? Did you hear the song yet? It's so awesome. It's so awesome. I think that's really cool because rock and roll needs to connect to that younger generation. And a band like yourself, at least in my experience, is doing it
1: yeah man that's that's uh it's crazy to hear um you know that that kids are are into us, and like we always knew that we'd appeal to you know our age group and you know like the thirties to forties, and hopefully even you know everyone above that but uh, we yeah we've seen um w- when there were shows at least you know we've seen some like you know sixteen year olds when when it's like an all ages show or whatever that that'll come in and get, you know, 15, 14 year olds that'll like, Oh my God, you guys are great. And to us, you know, we were those 14 and 15 year olds going to see literally anybody that could play an instrument and be like, Holy crap, you guys are gods. You know what I mean? We grew up here in Columbus. So like rock on the range and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how we were raised more or less. So it's, it's really, really inspiring and really cool to hear that the younger generations is, uh, is getting back into rock and roll, you know?
0: Yeah, because it's much needed. It's a it's a, an adrenaline shot that rock and roll needs right now. You know, there's a lot of great new music. There's a lot of great new bands that are coming out. The classic rock fan, you know, will always be the classic rock fan, and they won't like anything released after 1992, and that's on them. But the younger generation, I think, is craving rock and roll. It's craving the rock stars. And when I talk to my son and his friends – and they start talking about the dirt and Motley Crue, which is like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High of their generation. They're all into, oh it. yeah, <laughs> they're totally, they're totally into it. And you know, I mean, when you look at, there was an article I mentioned this a couple times. In fact, the last episode I just did of the podcast, I talked about it. Forbes magazine did a article about Motley Crue and the demographic that they had prior to the dirt, which was like over 30 years old which was buying their merchandise their music and all that stuff after the dirt the majority uh demographic that's buying their music is 18 to 25 which is really cool because a band that's been around like that for a long time can open that door to that young kid so that young bands like yourself and others that are out there can then start connecting with it and i think we're you know obviously 2020 has been an absolute shit show with the pandemic and everything that's happened and it's just been a complete mess and it's kind of stalled the momentum that I believe was happening and occurring in rock and roll. It's kind of paused that and hopefully that comes back once people are allowed to go out and go see rock and roll again and bands are are touring again and clubs are reopening again. Hopefully that all comes back and we're able to do it.
1: Man, you know, the the thing is, is like, when that movie came out, I remember my younger, I'm, I'm the oldest of four, I'm 23, all, all my younger siblings are like, you know, between like 14 and, and 18, and I remember when that movie came out, they all watched it, and they like called me, and they were like, dude, is this what you do? Like, is that is that, <laughs> is that, what, you, is that what you guys do out there? And I'm like, N- "Like, no, not really. Like, you see the, the music playing part? We do a lot of that. Like, there's parties, but not, not like that, you know, it's crazy what they were doing, super super cool though to to give such a fresh perspective and and like you said i mean the numbers you speak for themselves and the younger demographic that's come up and listen and you know there's also amazing uh rock bands that are that are happening right now brand new rock bands that are in our age group that are just doing fucking amazing things so i don't know if i can swear but doing just absolutely great things and it's like very refreshing you know there's this big wave That has started and we basically just want to be the tsunami that pushes everything over the edge, you know, and I and I hope you're right about, you know, the this pandemic not killing that momentum that rock and roll was really, I feel like it was really starting to have here in the last like year and a half. But, you know, disco couldn't kill rock. I don't think COVID will kill rock either.
0: (laughs) Well, you can absolutely fucking swear. Uh, That's not a problem And I absolutely I absolutely agree with you about the new Bands that are coming up and I Talk to a lot of new bands you know whether it's Joyous Wolf whether it's of Limbo whether it's you know Dirty Honey I, I love talking with the new bands I love Listening to new music and You know when I checked out What was Black Coffee now South of Eden I remember going to a show I was going To see Blackberry Smoke and Ida May With a buddy of mine and I brought the CD with me and I popped it in a car. His car still has a CD player and he's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, it's a band called black coffee out of Columbus. And I'm like, you don't like it. He's like, no, he's like, this is awesome. He's like, this is a new band. I'm like, yeah, they're incredible. He's like, I didn't know young kids could play that stuff. <laughs> like, 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 you <laughs> know, and, 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 you know, and he's, I'm like, yeah, man, absolutely. He's like, oh, this is awesome. So, like you said, and like I said, there was a lot of momentum. I think, with everybody being cooped up and everybody getting a little bit of anger and a little and the kids having a little bit of angst, I think it's a recipe for success for rock and roll. I think you know when you when you look at what you know the dirt was and how kids are like wow this is awesome and you start to hear parents say don't listen to that which I think is needed in rock and roll kids are going to start listening because I when I was younger when my parents told me not to listen to something I made sure I listened to it I made sure I bought it I made sure I I hit it and that's and that's what the essence of rock and roll is and I think that has to come back for the kids to be like oh, why doesn't my dad want me to listen to this? Why doesn't my mom want me to listen to this? I'm going to check it out. And then it starts that whole vibe with the kids in high school and junior high and stuff like that, and it's, it, it creates a whole, like, scene itself, you know, with trade and music and all that stuff. So I think, you know, we were on our way. I think hopefully it'll come back. I think it will, um, but let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: No, I completely agree with you. And, you know, it's, the thing is, is, like, all those bands you mentioned, like, I know all of them, and, and they're all such cool people and such great musicians, and everybody that, you know, is playing music right now is so fucking talented, and it's amazing to know that there are younger people that are playing this music. And what's really cool with the fans is, like, you know, what I think is going to draw a lot of people to us in that kind of don't listen to your parents kind of a thing is that, you know, a lot of a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the – um the messages that we're, that we're trying to get across in our music, they're not like exactly the happiest of things, you know, there's a lot of anger in a lot of the stuff that we write. And there's, um, you know, it's a lot of just, you know, basically feeling like, what, what do you think is a choice? You know, if you're trying to more or less pick between the shinier two turds, you know, whether that's, Mm -hmm. you can take that however you want, you know, in any aspect of your life. So, um, I think a lot of people will be able to to really like get my perspective from where I come from from lyrics, and I hope that we can kind of relate to people and just kind of be like, "Oh man, that's exactly what I've been trying to say," you know. And um, and yeah, man, I just, I hope that everyone enjoys it and loves it, and uh, I think it's going to be a really really cool time to finally be able to play shows and play these tunes out again.
0: Well, we got lots to get to, <laughs> but we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. I, I normally ask the same first question. Every time we have a new guest on And that is the essence of the podcast Which is just like every rock song That has a hook that pulls you in Every rock fan has a moment Whether it's a song, an album, a band Or performance that hooked them on rock and roll What was it for you?
1: Oh, man, what put me on rock and roll? That's an awesome question. Because most people ask me, like, how did you get into music? And then we start talking about, like, Michael Jackson. It's a whole other thing. But um, (laughs) uh, what got me into rock and roll, man, really was um, our bass player. His name is uh, Nick Freddie Ann. So obviously before, when we were Black Coffee, we were a three-piece, and I was playing bass. But I've known Nick for, you know, something like 10 years or something like that, since we were kids. And he uh, more or less heard from some girl that we were going to school with that I could sing. And again, we're talking like Michael Jackson, you know, Phil Collins kind of singing. And he took that as, oh, you can sing? Well, cool, I need a singer for my little garage band that he had at the time. And he was like, here, listen to these, you know, two or three songs. And he showed me Rocket Queen by Guns N' Roses, Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden, and um, like (laughs) some some Megadeth songs. You know, and to somebody that had no idea what the genre was, let alone like what this kind of singing is—like this throaty, you know, raspy—like what is this garbage kind of a thing? <laughs> for me, at least, in my perspective, listening to that, like I remember texting him, like, dude, I can't tell what these people are saying. Like, what, what is this? You know, at least like with Iron Maiden, you can—it's you can, very operatic—you could kind of tell what was happening. But I went to the rehearsal and, like, I sang or whatever. And I remember him looking at me and just being like, "Yeah, you could do this, you know." And that's all it took, really, for me to just be like, "Holy crap, I could do this, you know," and just like start singing in a mirror and and really getting into it. I think I was about like 15 years old.
0: You know, that's such an interesting connection because you're going from basic, you know, Michael Jackson pop music into you know Iron Maiden and Megadeth, Guns N' Roses—these icon- iconic bands—and now you're singing in this garage with your buddy. Where did it go from there Like where Like after that happened Like what did you start To get into And what did you start To listen to
1: Yeah man After that I mean Nick, Nick and I listened To like 80s and 90s You know It was a lot of Pearl Jam Allison like Alice in Chains Nirvana Molly Crue Guns and Roses um, We got into Aerosmith Like all that kind of stuff And a lot of Metallica Honestly I can probably play More Metallica songs On the guitar Than any other band Even though like We don't really play You know that kind of stuff But um, we, yeah, just very influenced off of the like post hair uh, glam scene. We really liked the grungy feel. We were, you know, got into Avenged Sevenfold and all that kind of stuff. And we started a whole bunch of different kinds of bands that I was singing, he was playing bass, and there'd be you know different combinations of people in them just through the Columbus scene. And while that was happening, uh, Justin and Tommy, who were the drummer and guitarist of South of Eden, they were in a band called Plain Old Henry, kind of doing the exact same thing that we were doing, um, just kind of you know, in opposite lanes. And we're all like 16 years old, just kind of doing the same thing, opening for each other, not really knowing like each other in terms of like hanging out and stuff, but we, you know, we all knew like, oh yeah, that's that drummer dude with the Blue Vista Lights, you know, oh yeah, that's that crazy guitar player or whatever, and just kind of meet up at different places that we were playing. And as we moved on from there, man, it's like, you know, Nick, uh, Nick went to Boston to follow uh a different band because I ended up going to college and so did a couple other people in, in our band and then Justin and in, in his own uh band with, with Tommy ended up going to Boston as well to go to Berkeley music college or <laughs> college of music and uh so anyway, more or less me and Tommy ended up bumping into each other at OSU and uh yeah that we started a band ourselves and then you have all these like hybrid formations of these many bands while nick and justin are in boston you know one's at berkeley one's just kind of you know beaming up being a bum around campus and playing in his own rock bands and doing his own thing so next thing you knew you know justin came back for a uh, winter vacation and he was like oh dude like you know I I know Ehab, you know, I was telling you guys, you should get together. We should totally jam sometimes. So Tommy more or less like formally introduced me to Justin and that's how Black Coffee became a thing. Nick came back from Boston. I got tired of playing bass and we started, you know, we held bass auditions and all these people auditioned, and, you know, Nick was just like that glove that fit on. And, uh, yeah, next thing you know, we were signed and then we were in LA and (laughs) recording this album and now we're south of Eden, man.
0: Yeah, I remember when you guys were doing the showcase out there. I think it was the Viper Room and was it the whiskey?
1: Yeah, uh huh. Yes, it was the Vi- Viper Room and it was in April of last year.
0: How was that experience for you? You know, going from Columbus, all of a sudden now you're doing a showcase in LA, in Hollywood, hoping to get, you know, some sort of record deal. You've got a great product with the songs that you guys have. Take one, you know, independent. Release it was awesome how was that process was it like what you thought it was going to be like with the music business or was it completely different
1: um it was very different because i wasn't very savvy as to what the music did like you know i i feel like i have a lot of cool tricks up my sleeve when it comes to how to promote a band how to write good music how to you know make a band go from nothing to something but when it comes to like Like who, you know, who are you going to call for your booking agent? Who's your lawyer? Like that kind of stuff. I didn't have any of that in place really until, um, you know, like really talks of festivals and stuff were happening, which was before we got signed. And then eventually, um, we went producer hunting because we knew that we wanted to make this new album and we knew that Nick was in the band now and we had all these great songs and, you know, one, two, three, four, five basically led to us finding Greg Wells, who basically took this giant that forward of like hey quit looking like I am your guy like this is who you want because I've been looking for you guys for 20 years and that statement was like very shocking from somebody that produced Adele and Katy Perry and you know uh, like all these amazing amazing musicians and artists that are like you know have multiple number one albums and songs and it's all very pop radio you know and so I kept looking and oh 21 pilots is this great band from Columbus that I love. and keep looking like, Oh, he did death tones. Like, Oh, he did some Elton John stuff. like he's, he's actually worked with a lot of rock artists. He just primarily does pop. So that LA trip was mostly for Greg. It wasn't even the record What the, I'm sorry, the, um, the label was getting involved at that point in terms of lava because Jason Flom called us and was like, Hey, you guys are incredible. Like, you know, Greg Wells is incredible. You guys need to fund (laughs) this, you know, like that's that's what's missing here. And that's what I can do for you outside of, you know, just like take care of you guys, take you under my wing and really just mentor us on how to be a great rock band. And, you know, next thing you know, we're out in the whiskey and viper room playing, you know, eating dinner with Greg. And then we're out in New York doing a show at um, universal Republic uh, in front of all these, you know, literally like to describe the scene for you, you walk in, you go up like 10, in this giant elevator and there's a huge floor of just cubicles everywhere like just straight cubicles it's a great vibe it's a very cool vibe in there but it's all cubicles and in the middle of all these cubicles is a stage and it's like this tiny little stage and we brought like we brought enough stuff to play you know like a stadium so we we walked in there with all kinds of equipment we set up and literally Slom is just like super happy. Just like, oh, fuck yeah, this is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted to, to see. I hope we get, you know, the we, I hope we get like a noise complaint or whatever. We ended up like sound checking and every floor at Universal apparently called in <laughs> like sound check. By the end of our three song set for the showcase, uh, yeah, the, the landlord or the super or whatever came, came up and like was freaking out or whatever. And Slom was just like, yeah, no, it's okay. This is, this is a rock band. This is what we do. It was super surreal, man, and and very different than what I thought it was going to be. There was no, like, suits and ties. There was no, like, you know, all that bullshit was just not there. It was a very, very cool setting. And I will say that I think the reason that setting was what it is is because of, you know, at the end of the day, who Lava is and and who Greg Wells and Slom and all these people are. You know, we got very lucky to be in the midst of very kind, big-hearted people.
0: That's a great story. I'm just kind of trying to envision, you know, the stage in the middle of all these cubicles and then the super and the crazy. landlord. That's an awesome story. That is so That is so cool. So you, you hit the For studio. Real. Yeah, you hit the studio and you're recording. What was behind the decision to release an EP versus a full-length album at this point?
1: It was a decision that, like, basically you had to choke us out to do because we did not want to do it you know at all (laughs) we did not want to release uh just a few songs because of the fact that we would recorded um you know all these amazing tunes and we really feel like it's a package and the reason that we did it the way that we did is because of the fact that you know it's hard enough to break a rock band with touring and you know all being signed to a, even being signed to a label and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so many bands have gotten signed to labels and although it's a huge milestone in our career, we know that it doesn't mean shit if you just stop working and stop grinding. You know, we're a very hard-working band and we like to keep that mentality up. So really when, when, we, um, <clears throat> when we decided to do it, it was because, you know, we knew that the fans that we already had from Black Coffee wanted to hear something desperately and we knew that you know, although we are a new band South of Eden, there's people waiting and they've been waiting a long ass time. <laughs> so at first we were like, listen, you know, we talked to management, we talked to the label, we talked to everybody, and everybody was telling us the same thing, which more or less was, you know, this is un- this is such a great band. And we're so humbled that they tell us that, by the way. It's so, so cool to hear everybody talk so positive, uh, positively about us. But more or less they were like, you know, this is such, this is such great music, such a great band. We shouldn't gamble. We shouldn't take a risk and release right now when we have no idea what's going to happen. Let's wait till next year. And when you, when they said that, that's kind of what made us all look at each other and be like, all right, what if we just release a single, you know, let's release one song. Let's release like a B side, some easy, like here, here's just some song that we really like and has a bunch of cool parts to it. And we chose dancing with fire. Um, Cause it, I think it's like track seven or whatever on the whole album. And, was like cool like here's a little b-side kind of tune. let's just put it out let's see what happens and you know in like the first week we got like 100,000 views and you know it's like over 50,000 spotify plays in like two weeks or whatever and all this awesome stuff and i'm like holy crap you know like okay this is really cool so we you know constantly having meetings with the label and management and everybody just everyone trying to discuss you know what should we do and very uh, spur of the moment, like like we in South of Eden like to do. We just decided, you know what? Let's let's give them more. Let's give them these four songs, and these four songs more or less are going to represent, you know, wh- what we feel lyrically, musically, um, and just vibe wise. What we feel represents a lot of the different flavors of South of Eden, and that really is what made us happy to do it is because it's for the fans and because it's for um, people that just want some good rock and roll music and that we know everyone's scooped up at home just sitting there. And I think there's tunes on this EP that really, really, really represent uh, the times that we're in. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's called The Talk and the title track off of it is, is also called The Talk. It's, um, it's a song about, you know, feeling like you don't really have a choice in the matter of things it's a song about feeling like you're getting all these directions from all these people whether it's your manager your parents your you know your president what, whatever it may be all these people are telling you to do all these things and they're contradicting and you know the main hook of the song is what do you want because all you do is talk 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 you know and i, I think that's going to be a uh one of those songs that people really sink their teeth into and kind of re- understand where i was coming from so that's the long answer
0: No, it's perfect. You know, I I I was in, you know, was interested to know that, and I felt it had something to do, you know, with the current times right now, because I know you guys were in the studio a long time, and I and I felt like a new album, a full length album, was coming. But it's hard for a band because there's been so many albums that were anticipated to be released this year that have been pushed back, Um, and it's frustrating for a rock fan because I feel. You know, there's nothing better than to be sitting at home listening to new music while everybody's, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. But I also understand, you know, with the band and management that, you know, when you release something, you got to get out and you got to play it, you got to tour it, you got to get it in front of people and you got to build that audience and unfortunately no one's able to do that right now so it's like what do you do like how do you find that medium that balance to try to get your music out give people a little bit of a taste but not so much where now people want to see you so because people's attention span is very short these days i'm sure you you know i'm sure you know that you know what is big on friday what's released on friday is basically by the next week is people are on to something else so you know, what do you? How do you gauge that? And I think releasing the EP is probably you know is the right move because it gives people the taste, and then when you do release that full length album, there'll be more of an anticipation than there was for this. So I think it was probably the smart thing to do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it was definitely a, a, it was a heavy decision, and I'm glad that we are doing it this way because you know just the the dms the comments all these fans they're so excited about it you know fans and friends you know that's really what they are um they are pumped and that's all you know that's all we wanted to see in terms of like gauging uh a response you know we we definitely have more than one trick up of our of our sleeves. uh we have you know this ep coming there's videos coming there's you know uh if I can say there's an audio slave cover coming, you know, I'll just kind of give you that, that little bit of information. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that's, that's going to be coming out. You know, we we're also in studio here in Columbus, um, doing a bunch of acoustic tracks that are already finished and mastered and ready to go as well. So, I mean, we have a plethora of content, music videos, all that fun stuff. And we have a pretty cool rollout plan that we're excited to, to show everybody. So I think as you, uh, as you see music and stuff coming out from us tomorrow, next week, you know, you'll see more stuff and we'll we'll just keep giving everybody, uh, you know, exactly what they're looking for and exactly what we've been doing. It's been, it's been so much fun, really. It's just been, it's been a pleasure to just be able to record and and write music and and do stuff. If there's anything positive that's to come out of this, uh, pandemic, you know, it's, it's inspiration.
0: (laughs) I agree. You know, music music can heal people. And you know, when people are sitting in their house for months and not knowing what to do, you know, music can lead the way. And whether whatever, you know, you want to listen to, whatever genre you want, it can always help. And for me, it's always been rock and roll. It's always been kind of the voice of of, you know, for me, and it's always been that that go-to whenever I need something and I think giving your fans what they've wanted here for months um on months like myself. I think it, you know, it, it's a nice taste. And I think just having them know that more is coming is good for them as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, man. It definitely makes the decision feel like the right one.
0: <laughs> yeah, you because
1: know, But uh, but yeah, man, it's just it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, what what even is the right decision? You know, my favorite saying that you know these you know, experts, these professionals that work at uh, either our label or management or whatever it is. They, my favorite thing that they've told me is, no one is an expert at anything when it comes to the music business. There's, there's no way to predict a trend. You know, there's no way to like know what the next breaking thing is. But what you can do is, you can sign artists that you believe in. And because you believe in those people, you're going to take risks for them. And that to me is like such an amazing, amazing lifestyle and, you know, train of thought to go by because for us, the South of Eden, our entire thought process has always been, you know, like if, if no one else is doing that, why, you know, let's, let's go do that. Let's just see why no one else is doing it. You know, and if it's crappy, then all right, that's why no one's doing it. But if it's just hard then okay let's just work at it you know and make it great you know it'd it'd be a lot easier i think to record to a click track and to you know use auto tune and just copy paste stuff you know i'm not saying that there's no talent behind that there's a lot of any gifted talented people and a lot of my idols you know do that and it's totally fine but i think the harder version of it is to sit down and really look at each other and feel the vibe and you know no copy paste, no click track. You know, record it to tape and just make it sound like, you know, a bunch of hippies hanging out in a room.
0: The one thing I noticed in the songs that I've heard, you know, uh, of on the EP, the talk is power. You know, that's like one of the things that I kind of des- how I describe how I describe it to people is like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the music and it just feels like a locomotive. And it feels like it's just so powerful, you know, whether it's your singing, whether it's the music, it just feels like a big sweeping punch. And I love it. It just, it just, it makes me feel like I'm listening to the bands that I grew up with. And you hear the influences that you guys have. I mean, obviously you wear them on your sleeve and you can hear the guns and roses, you can hear the ACDCs, the Aerosmiths, the Van Halens and there's even a touch of like Lenny Kravitz in 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 a couple of the songs too which i really like like oh that's really intriguing that's really awesome but what's really cool oh, yeah. about the band is that you guys have a swagger and you you that swagger comes through in the music and the video that you guys just released with dancing with fire it just feels like you know when i i couldn't help but feel like 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 i'm watching Van Halen, like in 1982, 1981, with that swagger with Daily Roth, where they don't give a fuck, they're playing, they're having a good time, they enjoy playing with each other. Well, we found out later that Van Halen really didn't enjoy play, playing with each other but but you know what I you know what i mean it, it was just like it was like wow, like this is this is bringing it back. this is like you know you guys don't sound like any particular band. You guys sound unique and modern, but you can totally tell the influences. And like I said, man, it's just so, it's like, it's like so full. The music is so full and powerful.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, man, we, we wear our influences on our sleeves. And yeah, I, I just, I don't know how we came across this sound, you know, whatever the hell it is we do, but we knew that when the four of us played together, that's when that sound happened. And that was really uh, that's all it took for us. So uh, cool. Like so that apparently is how we do this. You know, let's keep doing this. So it's, you know, it's not broke, don't fix it. Kind of a, kind of a mentality. And you're definitely right that like you know, have, did you have you heard the the EP? You've yes. Heard the full EP or yeah. Okay, yes. Like there's you know, that song solo. It's such oh a God. poppy, such a poppy tune to me. But it's way more Chili Peppers in the verse than it is like anything that would be on pop radio today you know what I mean it's very like maybe not in the vocals but in the way that when the song was being written you know just that bass line going back and forth and Justin's guitar you know guitar riff is so chili peppers and that's where the Kravitz you know to me at least came in it was like oh man I hear like a Prince you know Lenny kind of thing happening over it and that's just kind of the role we took and the chorus just ended up being this you know very washy flowy Uh, nice chord progression and the guitar solo It to me is like the most slash guitar solo I've ever heard Justin play. It's so cool. It's such a melodic solo. And yeah, man, I don't know. Everybody, everybody just does their own thing uh, on, on, on these, on these songs and on this record, you know, it's, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I heard solo or morning brew and the title track, and obviously we knew the single, you know, already, but, I just was just like, like, this is this is a swagger. This is a band that's got that, you know, we're going to just kick you in the teeth and we're going to just blow you away. And that's awesome because I've been a big proponent of one of the things lacking in rock music is the rock star. You know, what happened to the rock star? And I think a lot of these new bands that are coming up can definitely develop into that. You know, I mean, whether it's, you know Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf, who I think's got a great presence on stage, and Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey, and yourself, and you guys as a band as an entity. Have you seen the video and having that come through my screen? It's so great. It's it's like wow, I'm mean, like because this is I think a huge thing we mentioned before. You know what your parents don't want you to listen to, you're going to want to listen to. I remember growing up, every time David Lee Roth came on the 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 television. My mother had me turn it off, you know. And you know, you know I, I remember having a, to smuggle in Ozzy Osbourne records, you know, and hiding these records so my parents wouldn't trash them.
1: And I think you don't know how jealous I am that when you were young, David Lee Roth was on TV. That just makes me really jealous. That
0: was always an experience when David Lee Roth, Martha Quinn, who is who's an old MTV VJ, said, "No matter what question you asked him." he was always going to answer the way he wanted to answer and it would never be the answer to your question and, and and it's so true if you look back at the old interviews but you know when you when i look at the landscape and i look at these new bands and i just see what's coming i think the need for a rock star is so so needed because it used to be they you know rock stars would you know, you couldn't take your eyes off of them when they came on stage or when they were in an interview and i think now because the world is so polarizing people are afraid to say something that's gonna alienate half their audience and and people are afraid to be controversial but i don't I think that's okay if you're controversial i think that's fine if you say something that's on your mind and obviously you know you don't want to say anything stupid to insult people but don't be afraid to speak and, and, and don't be vanilla And I think with the new bands That are co- coming up I think that's You know Going to be a huge Defining moment For you guys And other bands That if you can connect With the younger audience Because the younger audience Always wants that and like we said You know They always want that Like intrigued personality That that interesting personality That comes through And like says Oh what's this guy Got to say You know And it's, I think that's, that's So needed right now
1: Absolutely man I think that honestly man like i get the whole you know don't say anything to offend people kind of a thing but to me like if you're you know a motherfucker that thinks like that then i hope you do say something out loud so that you know you're not sitting here putting on some show for everybody that's unfortunately what i seem to see a lot and not in any of the bands that we've mentioned but i do seem to find that like okay you know there's certain guys out there that think Terrible things that would never say that out loud. And don't get me wrong, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's got their skeletons in their closet or whatever. But to me, it's like, you know, if you really had balls and you really feel the way you feel, you would say that kind of stuff out loud, you know. Because my my entire mentality since I was young is, you know, fuck fuck the government and love the people, you know, fuck authority and love peace and kindness, you know. But peace and kindness, you know. You could one day watch me hug a tree and another day watch me fucking beat the shit out of somebody that was, you know, trying to grope a girl at a show, you know, there's all kinds of assholes out there. And and to me, it's like, it's very easy to not offend people when you're not like hateful or spiteful or, you know, a shitty person (laughs) more or less.
0: I think the essence of a rock star is being genuine, being true to yourself You know, I mean, because people can pick up on when you're being fake, when you're not really the person that you're trying to portray. I think there's that, you know, rock fans appreciate when someone is who they are and they're comfortable in their own skin and, you know, they're not afraid to state their opinion on something. And to your point, rock and roll has always been the middle finger. It's always been, you know, fuck the the norm. You know, we're going to go against the grain. And somewhere that was lost. You know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, it just seemed to go away. And you see other genres of music, namely hip-hop, embrace the rock star lifestyle and not be afraid of it. They embrace it, and they're doing fine. You know, so I don't know why rock all of a sudden stopped being rock. And and, And I hope the new generation is moving back towards that because I think that's needed. And I think if they want to connect with the younger generation, that's how rock and roll does it. And that's how they've always done it. Right.
1: I completely agree with you. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I don't, I can't really speak on what is a rock star. Cause I wouldn't, you know, it, it sounds like a strange thing to call yourself. I wouldn't call myself a rock star. I, you know, I'd call myself a musician, but I, I understand like what you mean by that. I, but, just the word genuine is, I think, exactly exactly what, uh, what we're looking for here. And I think you hit that nail right on the head. You know, it's being genuine, and it's just being exactly who you are. And if people like it, then cool. You know, if if they don't, then cool. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like, that's awesome, man. I am who I am. And if you don't like it, fuck off. You know, he's exactly right. <laughs> Rock and roll is the middle finger. I really like that.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the other thing, too. Why are we why are rock musicians afraid of pissing off the classic rock fan? You know, and 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 having these boycotts. The classic rock fan is not going to listen to new music. They're not. I mean, some of them will, but the majority won't. The people you want to connect with don't give a fuck. And that's the young kids. They don't care what you are politically. They just want to hear a guy speak his mind and be, you know, be interesting. So, you know, if we're nervous about people not going to your shows or boycotting, don't worry about those people. Worry about the 14, 15, 16-year-old in high school who doesn't give a shit what you are, what politically you are. They want to hear awesome music, and they want a guy that, like, oh, he's being interviewed. I want to check out what he has to say. That's who you want to grab. You know, stop worrying about the people that are, you know, over 40 that's not who that's not who you want as an audience. They're already listening to the same five A C D C songs in classic rock every day. You know? So, you know, who are they to tell people what to listen to and what not to listen to? That's my opinion on it.
1: I, I think you're exactly right, man. I think that as soon as as soon as these older people—and I don't mean that offensively—I just mean you know the people that are from you know back in the day, the the, the people that run this industry—as soon as they start to think that they know more about music than the younger people, I think that's really where you start to lose quality. You know, you start to lose that experimental value, and I think that was lost. You know, back in like twenty ten, twenty twelve, it wasn't. You know, I mean, I'm not saying there weren't great albums that came out then, but. You know, I'm pretty sure Nightmare by came out around then. Hail the King came in. There's a bunch of great albums, but there wasn't this breaking young rock thing happening. You know, there, there. I think Rival Sons was still a thing then, but it, to me, it felt like, oh, yeah, it's just these you know, new rock bands. You know, it's just going to be the same as always. And yeah, man, it, the, the edge has been lost by people that play rock and roll, and it's been given to, or absorbed by um, these rap, you know, rap artists and, and pop musicians and, and all these people that to me, when I see them have more swag than some of the people that play rock and roll, you know what I mean? Like Post Malone is a bad motherfucker. Like that dude is, that dude sick, you know, like everything he does. If you don't like his music, it's fine. I personally listen to a lot of pop and rap and, and all that fun stuff, but, when I listen, like when I see little Uzi Vert, right, and again, a lot of people hate the guy, but when I see him, I'm like, dude, you're wearing like all, you know, 90% black leather, wristbands, like all kinds of bracelets, necklaces. You got like fucking, you're wearing your glasses at night, like you're fucking, you know, you look like a rock star, you know, straight up. And so to, to me, it's like, I don't know. These, these are the people that don't give a fuck anymore. You know, that's why the youth is over there. The youth is there because those are the people that are, you know, whether it's mumble rap or not, those are the people that are saying, you know, fuck the police, fuck the government, fuck all these people that are trying to tell you what to do, you
0: know? I, I agree 100%. You know, we talked earlier in this conversation about the dirt in Motley Crue. I I read the book, and I was waiting for that movie to be pulled. I'm like, there's no way this movie can be shown. If, if they stay true to the book and they, and they do things, you know, they talk about or they show things, that are in the actual, you know, book that was released several years ago. And they did. And who did it connect with? It connected with the young kids, Motley Crue, all the partying and the scene back then and what they were doing. That resonated, that connected with the kids, you know, today. So what does that tell you? It doesn't matter what, you know, obviously, you know, people who are, you know, set in their in their careers have the money to spend and to go to shows, but you want to grow with the younger generation you want them to grow up listening to you you want them you know like when I think of Van Halen and the bands I grew up with I was young and I as I got older I listened to their music and got you know went to go see shows and whatever and so I grew up with them that's what you want you want that because once they're a fan of you they're always going to be a fan of you you know in, in most cases so I think that's important to realize that don't you know, back away from controversy or don't be afraid to do that stuff. And when I say the rock star, you know, we said genuine, but you also brought up a good phrase too. Edge. Having that edge where you don't know what the guy's gonna say. You don't know what you're gonna get when every time he's on the screen. And I think there's some danger in that. And that's where, you know, the younger generation feeds off that. No,
1: absolutely. And I think you're I think you're definitely right where I'm um, someone else feels this way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, getting getting back to the music, you know, you mentioned some of the lyrics on the EP, you know, being dark, being, you know, speaking about certain topics. When you write music, what is that process for you?
1: Um, that's a cool question. I think, oh, man, I don't know, man. That, that process is so weird. You know, I think it's just like one of those just like, you know just god bless each one of us with just being able to think of stuff off the cuff and just kind of do whatever because you know like i i write too much music and you know i say that out loud and knock on wood because you know there's there could be a day where i can't write music or i have writer's block or whatever it may be but you know i write so many songs and it just feels like everything i write just kind of like falls off trees and whether that's like literal trees or marijuana like whatever you want to call it you know just just getting high and, and hanging out you know just an acoustic guitar is, is really the the root of everything it always starts you know dancing with fire even you know I and mean, then every song starts on acoustic guitar and it's just like oh man you know here's the vibe that i'm trying to create and i can hear everything behind it kind of as i'm writing it and the best part you know, of writing music is when we write together and you know, I'm going through the process of like more or less, it feels like I'm holding in a sneeze until I can like get exactly what I'm trying to do out. And then Justin will like either just come up with an amazing, Oh dude, this is what it sounds like you're trying to do. And it's perfect. Or Justin will like try to learn what I'm trying to do and he'll fuck it up. I'm like, wait, that was cooler. You know, hold on a second. What the fuck did you just do? And you know, a lot of riffs and and parts will come like that. Um, You know, melodies and lyrics are just kind of like as, it just depends on the day. You know, I have a little journal. I write a lot of things in, in that, uh, just to kind of help me you know, clear my mind, my mind space. And, uh, I don't know, lyrics, a lot of times come with melody. Like as I'm listening to something, however, I'm feeling in that moment, a melody will come out and usually it has words, you know, it has certain things that I will hook onto. Like maybe it doesn't have all the words, but, there's a couple really cool uh words in the beginning and there's a couple cool words at the end and i'm like all right let's write these down real quick uh, and yeah a lot of stuff doesn't get recorded like i know a lot of people like as soon as they like, oh my god oh my god i gotta record this like we don't really do that we write again we write so often and we throw away so many songs that aren't memorable you know and for that reason we try not to record too many things unless it's like i'm um, unbelievable and the mentality of that is like if it was good enough we'll remember it i guess if it was fun enough to play if it meant enough to us we'll remember to play it and so you know greg that drove greg insane because greg wanted to record everything like no no no, we can't forget anything you know so you know when we went out to la we ended up like writing 25 songs of which we recorded 12 um i think 10 of them are going to come out on that full album and then you know we have some cool like movie stuff that hopefully will be happening as well uh next year but you know, the songwriting process really is different every day. It's 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 a very unique thing to us and we're we you know, we thank God every day that we're able to write songs.
0: How has the creative process been during the lockdown? I mean, when you're you know doing the same things every day and you're not living your life how you normally would, I imagine that it could be very monotonous. And how is does that affect your creativity?
1: Um You know, I probably did because there's not, you know, I have to, I have to pay bills, you know? So I have to actually like work now rather than, Oh, cool. I can use, you know, the money that we made off, you know, whatever cut I made off this last uh, run that we do to pay my bills or, you know, here's an advance or here's whatever it may be that pays for the stuff. You know, now I'm like, okay, I have to work the full time job again rather than just pick up some shifts. So that obviously takes away from songwriting and stuff. But again, I, it, I wouldn't say that, like, it has hindered it. It probably slowed it down. But, you know, it just kind of made it more like when we first started. You know, we're all working these jobs again, and we're all, you know, we're not together all the time like we usually are um, because, you know, we don't, we don't live together anymore, and we aren't on that bus all the time together anymore. So it's like, you know, we we write things and bring them to each other and it's like, Oh dude, that's really cool. It's very vibey. It's definitely like a different style. I feel like that we're writing in right now. It's very like, I don't know. It's James Brown, like in a way, it's very funky. <laughs> it's fun. <That's>
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah. When you're writing something personal and you're having to relive that experience and there's a sense of vulnerability there because you've got to reconnect with something that, you know, may have been happy, may have been uncomfortable, may have been sad. Whatever the case is, and you put down lyrics and you you relive the the moment. What's it like when you perform that song, or that song is released? Is there an, is is it important for you for people to connect with it? Is the importance for you just to get that out of your system? If they don't connect with it, does it bother you? What is that like?
1: Um, it's it's never bothered me. Um, because the, that is an awesome question. I would say that the reason that I write lyrics and the reason that I say what I say is because I need to get it out. You know, just like some people exercise, some people box, you know, some people fold laundry, like whatever it may be. Um, for me, it's it's writing it down and being able to scream it into a microphone, you know, and my favorite thing, like, I, I guess I haven't had anyone be like, Oh, I can't relate to that. My favorite thing though is when people come up and they're like, dude, I totally understand what you meant when you said this, this, and this. And I totally feel like it means if you're, you're basically talking about this. And I'm looking at am like, holy crap, I would have never thought that that could be related to that. But that is the feeling that I had. It just wasn't in that scenario. So it, it's really cool to hear how people interpret um, the things that, you know, that, that I say. And I, I, never, I never write anything that's like, you know, like fuck domestic violence you know, like I don't write that, you know, I'll write, you know, something along the lines of, uh, I don't want to say the lyric because it's, I want people to honestly hear it in the song, but more or less, you know, one of the songs, is. Uh, uh, I think it's not even on the EP actually, it's on the album. One of the songs is about domestic violence. And it's like, it, you wouldn't know that unless you really read the lyrics and like took away from it what I'm trying to say, because it could be applied to many other things, you know, just like the, the talk, it's not really a political song, you know, in in any way it's, it could be taken politically because of the fact that people feel that not only are their bosses or whoever, you know, whoever the man is in their life uh, is is dictating them, but people feel like maybe the government's doing that to them. Maybe people feel like the police are doing that to them or, I mean, you know, however you feel about that kind of stuff can be taken in so many different ways. Really the, the most satisfying part is to watch people, close their eyes and scream at the exact same time that I close my eyes and scream because I know this part's coming up and, and I I say it with so much you know vigor and, and they do too and it's so so cool you know if you go back to I Barely Know Her the lyrics you know why when I turn my back to you you're mumbling you know it's a song about basically like your friends your loved one whoever it is talking shit about you because it's something I went through you sigh when I come your way you know like that whole Like, all that stuff, I could have easily just been like, why don't you like me? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's really easy. But I like to kind of give, I like to give room for interpretation.
0: Yeah, because everybody, like you said, connects with it differently and has, you know, it's like art. When you go to a museum and you look at a painting on a wall, you see something completely different than the person next to you. And, you know, that's really a cool thing when a song can do that, when a song can be like a chameleon. And mean different things, and be able to change as you get older. Like there's even songs that you heard, or I heard, you know, when I was younger, that meant something different back then than it means now. And I have a you know totally different perspective on life. So the song changed, you know. So for me, at least,
1: I know and, that that freaking that freaking Dixie Chicks or whoever originally wrote the people. Uh, People get older. That song, every time I hear it, like when I first heard that song, I was like, that's a stupid song. And then like every time I hear it, I'm like, I'm getting older too, man. <laughs> it's just fucking weird.
0: <laughs> well, there's also that element too. Like you could hear an album and there's always those couple of songs where you're like, oh, it's okay. And you, and you kind of skip over them as you play the album. And then like five years later, you're, you got the album playing. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a really good song. Like how come I didn't appreciate it? Back then, as I do now, and it's just you know, music is all about timing too, right? It's it's about what you're feeling, what you're going through, what is happening around you. So you might be in a completely different place, and the song that didn't connect with you when you first heard it, all of a sudden, because your life has changed and you've evolved as a person, the song has a completely different meaning to you and has a completely different connection. Exactly, man. That's
1: exactly right.
0: Well, Ehab, it has been a blast. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. It was a great conversation. I'm really excited about the EP coming out. If you're listening to this, it's Friday. It's August 21st. The EP is out. You must go and get it. If you are a rock fan, this must be in your collection. You must play it as loud as you possibly can for as long (laughs) as you can because it is is freaking phenomenal. So... Ehab Amran from South of Eden. Thanks for coming on,
1: man. Yeah. A, a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for all your kind words and to everybody listening, you know, you can follow us at South of Eden band and we just really, we appreciate everybody, you know, supporting us and being there for us and stay one. And if you're brand new, then, you know, welcome to the, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, man.
0: Well, awesome, man. Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Once again, everybody, this is Jay Scott. This is the hook rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.